Matthew chapter 5. We'll start in verse number 1 of Matthew chapter 5. And seeing the multitude, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely. For my sake, rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Let's pray. Our gracious heavenly Father, Lord, we humbly come before your throne, Lord. I know that it's the middle of the week, Lord, the, uh, the flesh is weak, Lord, but we long to hear from you this evening. Lord, I pray that you uh, feed us with from your word this morning. Bless our hearts. May we leave here encouraged that the things that we experience in this world, the troubles, the conflict, they all come back to your word. They all come back to who we are in you. And we can be happy even in those circumstances. We give thanks to you for all that you've done. Be with those who are teaching the little kids next door in the youth group upstairs. Lord, be with all those who are gathered in your churches across this nation this evening. Lord, I pray that if there be someone under the preaching of your word this, uh, this evening who is lost, we pray that you do the work that only you can do and save the lost soul. We give thanks to you for all that you've done in Jesus' name. Amen. And this evening, I want to focus really on verses 10 through 12. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice. And be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. We have come to the end of the Beatitudes really here and where the Lord has been teaching us that happiness in our life is not about happenings in our life, so to say, but happiness is rooted in who we are in Christ. It's not about the things that happen. Our, our paychecks is not what makes us happy in this life. Our new cars is not what makes us happy in this life. Our investments is not what makes us happy in this life. But our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ is what sustains us in a lifetime of happiness. 
it would seem that this last beatitude, though it really spans two verses, some commentators would argue that they're two separate beatitudes, but for me they, they do share the same central theme, and that is happiness in spite of persecution. Now it would seem that while we've seen in the first several Beatitudes that the world would fully struggle with understanding happiness in spite of being humble, happiness in spite of mourning, but happiness in spite of being meek and happiness and hungering and thirsting after righteousness and happiness after being pure in heart and happiness and being a peacemaker, this is contrary to the world, but it would seem of all the Beatitudes that is most contrary to the world would be this right here, happiness in spite of persecution. The world does not like to be uncomfortable. They don't like to have personal conflict. Their dreams and aspirations is a trouble-free life. Matter of fact, if you just watch Facebook, people that we've grown up with, people that we know, all the more when they post on social media, they say, please, no negative vibes, whatever that means. But people don't like negativity at all. They don't like conflict at all. Yet what the Lord tells us here is that there is a way to be happy in spite of persecution. There is a way to be happy in spite of negative comments. There is a way to be happy in the face of uh, conflict. I would say of all the Beatitudes, it would say that verses really 1 through 9 deal with the internals, the foundation of the life of a Christian, but verses really 11 and uh, through 12, 11 and 12, 10, 11, 12, deal with the internals being manifested in the external of the Christian life. Meaning that all that we have built upon and drawing closer to the Lord in one through nine will be manifested when we have people who seek to persecute us in the flesh. When we have people who seek to revile us with their words, I would say that there are no more beatitudes that calls for the Christian to stand up than these beatitudes that we just read this evening. The truth is, is that these beatitudes are troublesome to us because these beatitudes cause family conflict. These beatitudes cause workplace relationship conflict because the world is opposed to truth. It's not just co-workers, it's family, it's all who are lost are opposed to the truth of God's word. I mean, we can understand this probably as a whole more easily than the other Beatitudes that if we were given time, we could testify about how things were going good at our job, at our family function, when we were with our children, when we were with our aunts and uncles, when we were with whoever, everything seemed to be going good until truth came up. Oh, we was having such a great time at the uh, lunch table at work, and then they said this, and then I said this, and everybody soured and silenced quickly. 
People walked away before even finishing lunch. They would even say that it was a good time until I told them I don't hang out in bars. It was a good time until I told them that I don't hang out in clubs or I don't dress like that. It goes on and on and on. And the Lord will even further emphasize in verse number 11 or verse number 11 that persecution doesn't always look like a whip. Persecution doesn't always look like a, a cross. But persecution can come when people just simply slander what you stand for. Persecution can come when people speak ill of you, when people revile you. It does hurt, and it is persecution. And know this, persecution is not always caused by us standing up and, and preaching the word of God. Persecution could come upon you just by living out God's word. Just by living godly at your job, persecution can come. By living godly at your family reunion, persecution can come. And by standing out and being different. I mean, think about this even all the way back to Genesis. Brother Pearson was just preaching on this. That when they came, Cain and Abel came to offer up their offering. Cain did not rise up and slay Abel because when they showed up to give their offerings, Abel preached the gospel to Cain. It was not because of what Abel said, it's what Abel did. Abel decided in his heart to live a life that was godly, to offer up an offering that was acceptable unto God. And that angered Cain so much that he raised up and slayed his brother. Persecution can come just by how we live. Even more when you think about Moses and all that he experienced that though he was in the palace and he looked out and seen the suffering of the people uh, whom uh, he was a part of, when he looked out and seen the, the suffering there, he chose to have the condemnation and the ridicule uh, that God's people would have instead of staying in the luxuries of the palace upon Living out God's word. Don't be surprised if you will really live godly that these verses will make a whole lot of sense to you. If we will just live the way we are supposed to, I believe that we will experience this conflict. And this is why Paul told Timothy in Second uh, Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 12 that, yea, that all that will live godly shall what? Suffer persecution. All who will live that way, even in Philippians, we talked about this this past week in Sunday school. In Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 29, Paul told the Philippians, he said, it has been given to you as a gift to, now this is paraphrasing, to, to suffer for Christ's sake. As we live for the Lord, we will experience Conflict. Now, this does not mean that persecution will stay. The Lord emphasizes that as we live our Christian lives, we will experience persecution. It may come and go. Notice what verse number 11 says. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you 
and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. That word when there is the Greek word hotan. It means whenever. It means that this is not a continual statement. The emphasis is that whenever someone does revile you, whenever someone does persecute you, whenever someone says evil things against you, the emphasis is whenever this happens, you ought not be surprised. This is what happens to people who live godly. Well, I I don't really want to be persecuted. I don't want to experience troubles. I don't want to experience conflict in my life. You know, I want to just have a family picnic or a family get together where I'm not forced to to be the one who, how it often goes is you get the one who says, you can't just come here and enjoy our company. You automatically have to go to Jesus. And my response is, you always have to go to your beer. Where am I going to go? That's the reality of it all. But even more, people will say, you know, I just want to serve God and not cause any problems. If you want to serve God and not have any problems, then the next time you go to work and they tell the dirty joke, just slap along with them. The next time you go to work and someone sings that rap song, sing along with them. The next time they invite you to their filth, just go with them. The next time they, your family presses you about accepting their sin, just accept it. When, the, when we mimic the world, we take the same mentality as the world. Live and let live. But here's the problem. When you behave this way, you're behaving in such a manner that you are ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're behaving that you're ashamed of God's word you know and listen the good news is is that maybe immediate judgment won't come upon you for behaving in such a manner though it is shameful but Luke chapter 9 and verse 26 the Lord said for whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words of him shall the son of man be ashamed when he shall come in his own glory and in his father's and of the holy angels. If you want to behave in this life at work, ashamed of him because you're trying to escape conflict, if you want to offer passes to your family as they promote and propagate their sin because you're ashamed to bring it up in this moment, Jesus says, when I return, I'll also be ashamed of you just like you were ashamed of me. Even more, the Lord said in Luke chapter 6 and verse number 26, speaking to a group of people who wanted all people to like them. They wanted to have peace with everyone, no troubles on any side. They didn't want confrontation. The Lord told them in Luke 6 and verse 26, Woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you. For so did their fathers to the false prophets. It is to say to be popular with the world is either to compromise your faith or to have no faith at all. It is to say again here, look at our text. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say 
all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Verse number 12 even goes on to say, for rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven for so persecuted they, the prophets, which were before you. Persecuted, persecute, persecuted again. The words used here is for a physical persecution, really in verse number 10, it's a physical persecution. Verse number 11, it takes on another aspect of persecution through harassment or abuse or even further to say unjust treatment. The Lord said, happy is the person who is willing to sacrifice what others think about them. Happy is the person who's willing to sacrifice what others say about them. Happy is the person who is willing to sacrifice how others treat them for my name's sake. Happy is that person who has found more value in Christ than any accolade that could be added to them. For righteousness sake, happy is the person who cares more about what the Lord thinks about them than someone who works with you. I mean, we need to, this would do this world a whole lot of good. If we would get believers who will stand and say, I'm going to be to this lost and dying world what Christ would have me to be. I'm going to stand and say to this lost and dying world what Christ would have me to say. Notice even more on this first part of this passage. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now this is to say, happy are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, but this term for righteousness' sake is one word. And it is given to us in the passive perfect participle. Now, what does that mean? Let me explain this. It means what the Lord is saying to them. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake. It's blessed are those who continuously allow themselves to be persecuted for righteousness sake. It is to say in the perfect form, or he says, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake. It is to say that happy is the person who has come to the belief in their heart. If that is the price I must pay to be godly, then I will willingly pay it. It is a continual acceptance of whatever it would take and whatever it would cost to be faithful to the cause of Christ. It's enduring whatever may come, but even more, we endure whatever may come, not for our sake. Don't do this to yourself. Not for our, convic our conviction's sake, not for our conscience' sake, but for Christ's sake. It's not because, well, I can, I'm not going to waver. I, I got to stand my ground. It's not about your ground. It's about who Christ is. Yeah, it's against your conscience because of who Christ is. We make the stand and accept all that the world does against us because of our Lord and Savior. But even more, he goes on to say in verse number 11, it's not just physical 
persecution. But there are verbal assaults here. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. The word revile means here to uh, insult an opponent with insulting language. It means to berate somebody else. Back when I used to watch boxing, one of the favorite, my favorite things to do, even besides the match, was to see the pre-boxing conference interview before the fight. Man, these guys would just start ripping each other about what they was going to do the next day in the ring, insulting one another. It seemed that there was no end to their insults about how far they would go to belittle the other person. The objective was that they would say all of these things so that when it came time to perform, maybe they would be able to get in the other person's head psychologically and cause them to cower, cause them to be afraid or even fail to perform. But here the Lord says, happy is the man when he is faced with slanderous words from the opponents of Jesus Christ. Happy is the man who is slandered for what he says because of Christ's namesake. Happy is this person who, who an opponent of Jesus Christ opens up the words and belittles us and even belittles. We're, we are happy, not because of their foolish view, but we're happy because we have a clear understanding of who Christ is. One time or another, somebody said, you guys are part of a cult, or you guys are this, or you guys are that, or you guys are fanaticals. I mean, you guys have lost your mind. I mean, people cannot comprehend why we would, after working a long day, gather here on a Wednesday night. They don't get it, and they can't get it until they get it. But we've all heard this. Uh, even a couple days ago, I think it was Saturday night, in this uh, preacher's group thing, they was talking back and forth about this one preacher was venting about, um, I've got to guard my words here. He was venting about his daughter that she had decided to go another way in life, anti what scripture says about relationships. And she wanted to bring this person to the house. And he said, no. And it laid out a whole revolt against him and rebuked him and slandered him. And you chose God over us and you're this and you're that. And you know what happened? As awkward as that felt, other men jumped in and said, I've experienced the same thing with my aunt. I've experienced the same thing with my own children. And on and on and on it went. When we will not conform to the ideology of the world, the world will try to beat us down to where we are nothing in their sight. We understand what it means to be Revile, we understand what it means to be rebuked, but the Lord said, Happy are you when you when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. 
I'm often reminded what Paul told the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 9. He said, For I think that God hath set forth us the apostles last, as it were appointed to death. For we are made a spectacle unto the world and to angels and to men. Spectacles unto the world. And that's what we are. Spectacles unto the world. This word spectacles, John MacArthur says that this word spectacles is often used that Roman governors or Roman officials, when they would conquer a land, they or conquer a group of people, they would take their captives and parade them around to show them that there had been a mighty victory. They were spectacles of the spoils of the victory that they had, this great conquering. Paul, when he used this word that we are to be spectacles unto the world, we could take the same thought process that we are going out in the world as a spectacle, as a a symbol, as a showing of the great victory that God has had in our life bringing us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. We are spectacles unto the world, how Jesus can change our life. We're spectacles unto the world, how Jesus can make us behave correctly when we face troubles, when we face trials, when we face conflicts, when people say things against us, when we lose out on job promotions, when people treat us poorly because we're not on the in crowd. We are spectacles unto the world about how we behave rightly because who we are in Christ Blessed are you when men shall revile you, when men shall speak evil against you, even evil against you falsely for my sake. Verse 10 again says, Blessed are ye which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For what? For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In the thought process of physical persecution and the thought process of people speaking ill about you and ill about your Savior, there is a sweet aroma in the darkness. He said, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It is like we say, this is what sent many, many people to the grave with smiles on their face, with joy in their heart. This is the reminder that even if we were sawn asunder like Isaiah, even if we were beheaded like Paul, even if we were crucified like Andrew, even if we were shot with arrows like Thaddeus, even if we were killed with a spear like Thomas, we are reminded in this text that that is a small exchange for the inheritance we get on the other side. Because theirs... Those who are persecuted for my name's sake. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It doesn't even pale in comparison to what we have gained in being persecuted in this world for his name's sake. So what do we do? What do we do while we're being revived? What do we do when 
Our family speaks ill of us. What do we do when our co-workers isolate themselves from us? What do we do when it seems like there's so much conflict in our life and people do not want to hear about our Jesus? Verse number 12 says, Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Wait a minute. Our natural thought processes in the face of persecution is to retreat. Our natural thought process in the face of persecution is to hide. I mean, to escape the responsibility. Really, it's, and that's really what it is. When we hide from this, when we flee conflicts in the workplace. They don't ever flee their stance, their beliefs, their desires. But when we flee our stance, we flee our responsibility to the Lord. And even more, but in the face of all of this, when people do this, we shouldn't cower. We shouldn't hide. We shouldn't run. The Lord says, when you experience this, rejoice and not be glad. Be exceeding glad. The overwhelming joy. This is the outpouring of our hearts. I mean, we are filled with excitement because we understand. What do we understand? We're not special. You're not the first person that's arrived on the scene to be called a cult member. You're not the first person to arrive on the scene to be called a lunatic. The Lord says, rejoice and be exceeding glad. Why? Because this is the same treatment they gave the prophets. This is the same treatment that they gave the prophets, which were before you. The world has taken a lot away from God's people. A lot. (laughs) The world has done well fishing church members about reasons not to come to church. The world has done well with all of the allurements to give your time to this, give your dedication to this, give your money to this. The world has done well taking away a lot from God's people. But what the Lord reminds us here, There is something that the world cannot take away from us, and that is our joy, and that is our happiness that we have in him. Rejoice and be exceeding glad. Time's on the horizon for investments. Where's the safe place to invest? Where's the safe place to put your money? Should you do stocks? Should you do real estate? Should you do cryptocurrency? All of these things, people are panicking about where to put their money. They're scared they're going to lose it. But look what the Lord says. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. The investment of living for the Lord. It's not going to be corrupted and taken away if the NASDAQ goes down, if Wall Street goes belly up, if stock goes out, if the housing market goes belly up. Every day that we live for Christ, great is our reward in heaven. God is not slack to forget how we've labored here on this earth. Great is our reward in heaven. 
There were nothing new to experience here. They persecuted the prophets. They're going to persecute us. All who live godly shall suffer persecution. If you're not suffering persecution, it is a challenge to survey your own life and ask why you're not. Scripture makes it clear that you don't even have to preach the gospel to experience hostility from the lost world. But if you preach the gospel too, you'll probably double up on hostility. But don't be cast down. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is our reward in heaven. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this opportunity that we've had here just going through the Beatitudes, Lord, and and gleaning from them and, and trying to gain understanding, Lord. Lord, will you strengthen us that as we go out in the world, strengthen as we preach your word, strengthen as we stand for your word. Lord, may the world see even through their jokes, through their humor, through their invitations, through their character, through all of these things, that there's something peculiar about us, that there's something different, that we're not like the rest of the world. Lord, I pray that you'll, you'll help us to be a spectacle to this world about the great victory that has happened in our life through the blood of Jesus Christ on on the cross of Calvary. We give thanks to you for all that you've done in Jesus' name. Amen.